Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. The Square Ball Podcast. Hello, welcome to the show. Brought to you with Levi Solicitors. LeviSolicitors.co.uk forward slash the square ball for 10% discount on your legal fees. Dan, Michael, and Moscow with you on the penultimate episode of Propaganda. Next week could have an interesting flavour depending on how Sunday pans out. Do we want to go hide in a cave somewhere or a bunker or do we want to be celebrating with our shirts off? That's the question. Those lovely lads at Be Sotted. They'll give us they'll give us something to work with anyway. They've probably, uh, we've got to do the Brentford preview, haven't we? So we'll be able to reflect on them, reflecting on our preview and the way it'll be circulated around the, the WhatsApp groups. and Yeah. And maybe they'll show it in the dressing room as well, like, like allegedly they did last time. Um, the humorless gets hi uh, Pontus if you're watching <laughs> we'll do the, you get it Pontus come on the preview will be in the weekly show as well this is Propaganda the show where we find out what's been said about Leeds United by you and the opposition available in your podcast app and on YouTube TSB Plus members as well look out for Propaganda Extra new show in your podcast feeds and on the website bonus bits of Propaganda that don't make it into this show let's get the Leeds United fan opinion in part one then shall we uh, what should we talk about? That's the question we ask our TSB Plus members on the feedback form. They've sent us some feedback. Where shall we start, Michael? What did we get? Not Brian Dean says we were pretty negative. Which I'd, we? I'd thought we were positive by our recent standards. So they reckon it was the best 45 minutes under Marsh. We looked dangerous um, and they only had one proper chance. Mm. A huge point that might be the reason we stay up. It might also not be enough. I think that's the point, is that you can't get too excited about a point when you're still down there. It's weird how we reflect on a point because other results went for us. We're kind of like, oh, good point, that. Whereas if, um, obviously, Burnley and Everton had won, it would have looked like a dreadful point and a missed opportunity and all that sort of stuff. But as it is, yeah, great point. I don't know. I thought second half, we definitely did improve. It still felt like it lacked a bit of structure. It was not penis ball, but it was it was the same general principles, but just with width, mm-hmm. is what I think. There was, there was definitely more girth there, wasn't there? And Marsh did say in the post-match that they'd adopted more of a 4-2-3-1 to enable like Rafa to get wider. And, and did you think Jackie was wider as well? Yeah, he seemed to be. And the, I think the problem in the second half was um, we were a lot better, but there was still, it felt like it lasted for half an hour when Brighton had the ball um, sort of in our right back area and just started passing to each other and wouldn't stop. <laughs> and it was just before the kind of the, the chance for Bielsa and against the board started up and it was a real kind of they they really put the pressure up it just looked like we are not going to get this ball back off of Brighton ever um, and things like that kept kind of breaking out that you were, were a reminder that you know the chances we had there were actually when you list them there were a lot of them and some good ones um, but stuff like that was still kind of kicking off to keep the just to you know keep our happiness in check. Lucy mentions this actually in her feedback we had wit. We still have hope. But she started off her comment by saying, looking at the pick of Calvin and Rafinha is the happiest I've ever seen, Michael. It's probably the happiest I've ever been. I like, the thing is, I know I'm... Waving them off somewhere else. I, I, know I'm, um, I know I'm kind of known for being a miserable pessimist, but I like to see people being happy. It's mm. just, I know it's ultimately fleeting. <laughs> and meaningless. And meaningless. <laughs> there was some happiness after the, the game. There was a few people asking what it was like at the stadium because obviously the the... Bielsa chance got the attention and the sack the board stuff got the attention as well. But the, nobody can resist the kind of thing that Joffy and Stroik did at the end. And the mood leaving was kind of like, 
I don't know. There was a buzz about it, wasn't there? Yeah, it was a long way from how it would have been if we'd lost, put it that way. Mm. Um, and there was enough people kind of smile. It's kind of like smart, nervous smiles of like, well, we'll still be here next week, which I think even if we'd won, we'd still need the same result at Brentford, really, wouldn't we? So it's kind of, we got to where we needed to be, but by a pretty awkward route. But yeah. if, if the whole game had been like the second half, maybe we would have won. The atmosphere at the end reminded me a bit of the Brentford game earlier in the season where we we really felt like we probably should have won it and needed to win it. But in the end, the point in the last minute, you know, it's fine, isn't it? it which, was, which is pretty representative of what this season's felt like from the get-go, really, when you think even yeah. back to the first home game with Everton and coming back from being behind and all the rest of it. Particularly when we're down to this point in the season as well where that literally could be the point that keeps us up. It might it might be all we need, as scrappy as a, and as horrible a way to finish as it, the season that, as that would be. It might be it. And I think there maybe was a sense of that as well because... Burnley having been invincible have lost a couple now and it, it always feels like momentum goes with you at this stage of the season doesn't it you think every, every time you get a you, if when you're losing games you think you're never going to win again and when other teams are winning around you you think they're never going to lose again and it's, it's been quite nice to have a little reminder this week that Burnley and Everton are actually still pretty shit Gear was um, in the comments actually asking what the mood was like leaving the ground were people jubilant yeah it's, as Moscow described they were singing like on the east stand side of the ground as we were coming out quite a nice day as well so there's kind of it was quite warm and feverish wasn't it the whole kind of atmosphere and and there's that just that general adrenaline and excitement that's, that, on the one hand, is exciting in itself, but is also quite tiring um, at this stage in the season when it's all on the line. Clutching at straws, however, says there were 27 possible permutations of results on Sunday. The outcome we had, which was obviously Leeds draw, Burnley lost, Everton loss, was the second best possible outcome. In other words, there were 25 ways in which Sunday could have been worse <laughs> and only one way in which it could have been better. This is how I'm choosing to look at our point versus Brighton. Is that true? Uh, yeah, well, if well, if uh, they'd drawn and we'd won, if we'd won, that's the the only better outcome there could have been. But if they'd drawn and I, I can't, I can't work it out. This is troubling my let's, let's trust his math. I'm <laughs> yeah, not going to argue with anybody's fine. maths on this. It seems it's it sounds about right, doesn't it? <laughs> and um, and yeah, and I was uh, saying then the, uh, the I don't know what the difference between a point and three points. I mean, it's two points. But <laughs> going into next Sunday, the difference between a point and uh, three points is kind of it's not completely relevant we just need to in in a way it focuses the minds because we can't go to Brentford and be like oh maybe a point would do um depending on the results it really does just bring it down to just go there and win so we know what we've got to do mm. um, that's my understanding of the maths anyway I mean so I'm just going to say this a win, a win would have been far better than a draw I think I do feel that has to be said because it would put tremendous pressure on on Burnley and Everton, actually, for the midweek game. So it's down to what happens on Thursday, isn't it? Yeah, they've got the same pressure, though, anyway. They need to get results in those games, and we need to get results on Sunday. So everybody's got to get results. And then if you're taking recent form as a guide of future possibilities, then, yeah, the only team on Sunday that got a result was Leeds United. So screw those other losers. Jez, perhaps representative of the very unique experience of being a Leeds United fan, who got on the feedback at 1-0 down, saying, ah, just fuck it all. And then at 1-1, disappointed with himself for shooting his ball <laughs> with too much time left in the game. Sazzy saying as well, I've aged about 20 years over the course of that 90-odd minutes. And West Stand Ralph saying, honestly, cannot cope with this club. But then again, uh, I wouldn't have it any other way. We just, and it says ha-ha at the end of that bit, which is kind of, I take that as a slightly mad, maniacal um, laugh at what this is all doing to us. We just keep fighting and let's hope we somehow pull through. I know games always turn on on moments. You can always look at them, but I did watch the Wellback header back and think oh, <laughs> the way the stadium could have potentially turned at that stage because that that would, would have been game over and possibly it's, season it's over. Great, and, but this, then, but this then is equally, football, it's moments, isn't it? If if you know Cooper's face isn't there in the opening minutes, maybe we win that game and everyone's everyone's joyous and it's it's our romping to seventeenth. Cooper's face does get a mention actually in Heroes and Villains, which we'll do on the weekly show. So park that thought. Adsham, yeah, saying this is absolute torture. My joints ache from all the adrenaline and stress. Will it be enough? Who knows? I just want it to be over. And John P had semi-accepted that we were going down before kickoff. But it all gets prolonged another week of anxiety until the Brentford game this season just needs to fuck off. I feel like before the game, I'd made peace with going down. I think I, I imagined I'd feel worse for being back in it. But I feel all right with it. I feel like I still think we're going down. And if we do stay up, then lovely. <laughs> I can I can make peace with that. Whether I'll think that Thursday's results, if they go for us, I'll probably start hoping then the, that's when I'll stay. Because I think in my head, I'm still chalking up uh, 
Burnley and Everton win on Thursday. No, it'll be interesting to see what happens off the back of that and what it does to the, the state of mind. I think it'll give Leeds um, fans quite a lift because if you look at the fixtures of the other two, Newcastle are obviously um, riding the crest of a wave at the minute. And then you've got Everton absolutely desperately, um, sorry, Arsenal, who are desperately trying to fuck up their Champions League pursuit and they absolutely need to go all at it Arsenal, against Everton. I'm really desperate. Yeah, but well, not- okay. But still, what, what it does, it gives them a huge incentive in front of their mm. own fans to, you know, that vociferous crowd at the oh, Emirates to, to put it right. So it does give us a chance going into the final day if we're no no worse off. But back to matters at hand and the formation was mentioned by a number of people, probably the biggest thing we got feedback on, the style of play and the width, the girth that you demanded last week, Michael. Was, wasn't, wasn't on the East Stand, was it? But I think the message got across. We got, we did see, as TJ put it, width, glorious width, as the song goes. Mad Ken Starling saying, at what point do you think the players sacked off Marsh's tactics and started playing with width and purpose? Looked a different team second half and not sure it had much to do with Jesse. Poor Jesse. He may have told them to do exactly that and he's getting no credit for it. It's quite funny because Phil Hay mentioned in passing to me before the game, he said, I do wonder what, what they can do now to try and win this game. Surely one of the only places left to go is with more width, more akin to Bielsa ball, which is ironic, I think, in a, in a certain sense. Yeah, and the good chance that um, Rafinha had that Rodrigo played him in second half is from us going wide and then the bad chance that Rodrigo didn't play Harrison in was a ball wide into space. There's room there. I know Jesse argues that the goals are not by the corner flags, but you don't always have to go directly to the goal. Sometimes a circuit, like a, the scenic route, could be fun and you can get there in the end anyway. The pass before a goal can be from wide, certainly. Mm, that's you know, allowed, yeah. That yeah. is allowed. You're allowed to put it wide and then get it back into the middle to score a goal. Yeah, and the, the wider parts of the pitch are not just there for for scenery are they not just scenery you can you can use them I feel like it's even more important the way we play now in some ways because we're quite defensive and we do need out balls and just hitting an out ball straight down the middle to a small striker against a big defender will just get you absolutely nothing so being able to play a ball over the top and let people chase it into corners even though that sounds incredibly basic it does at least have a slight chance whereas the ball just coming straight back at us every single time gets pretty tiring to watch and the, the direction for that big little short tall striker to head is towards the wings because if he just heads it into the middle unless he is also there there's only defenders there so that flicking it on for Rafinha to chase down the wing and then Jesse can have his precious um, <laughs> central orientation yeah I mean we're not football coaches by any stretch of the imagination but I do believe in the wisdom of crowds to a certain extent and Leeds fans can see when certain things are not working or Again, it's represented in the feedback here, people talking about the necessity to go wide. Like, Fat Frank Heart Attack is saying, for fuck's sake, Jesse, just let them play wide. Fuck your philosophy for just one game. Let's play wide and give it a go for the last game of the year. I mean, you say we're not all coaches, but I believe my blueprint for Jesse coming in was be a bit tighter, do some zonal marking and just let you give the ball to your good attacking players and let them do some stuff. And that was that's essentially what, what the plan seems to be now. And it worked. Just give it to the little wizard. And let him do some some keepy-uppies and flipping it over people and all that. It's the big wizard as well because Rafinha um, is our best player. And it's always been telling that when he goes to play for Brazil, he's even wider than he ever mm. has been for us. And it's brilliant. It's turned him into like an international superstar, putting him on the touchline. So what part of a person looks at that squad and thinks, let's just have Rafinha running into six defenders in the middle of the pitch every time or playing right back? when the way he played on uh, uh, Sunday, just by having him wide, suddenly just made us look a lot better. Only our problem again for another week, so... And next season. Well, yeah. Um, Roger asks a rather pointed question in Among All This. Kick and rush again, but at least some shots on target. Surely no one wants more of this shit next season, whatever the division. I tend to agree. It's 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 been very, very hard to watch. That's what I meant then. I thought you went... Uh, I was talking about Jesse Marsh still being here next season. I didn't realise, of course, Rafinha will not be. <laughs> So yeah, we'll just have some. Maybe it is. Maybe it does look different if you have players who suit it. But um, it's still just like it, it's not my kind of number one. If you were to pick a style of play that I would like us to to use, um, certainly what I've seen so far and what I've ever seen of the RB teams. I mean, you know, Ralph Rangnick is the guy who kind of popularised all this and taught Jesse its ways. And that's been a disaster at Old Trafford, like absolutely miserable second half of the season, which has been great, but I'm not sure I want that transplanted to us. Well, we may not have a choice in it, maybe, but um, I guess that is a conversation for another week, another day. 
let's just hope, yeah, the players that we have next season suit it. I'm going to miss Rafinha. Anyway, or the manager suits the players we already have. Perhaps, yeah. Um, an alternative. Question from Mike C then. He says, odd question maybe, but is that the best we've played against Brighton? Does it matter anyway? <laughs> the answer to that is probably not. Not, not under the circumstances. Probably is, it, it, but yeah, it probably is, ironically, yeah. Certainly better than the away game when we got absolutely battered nil-nil somehow and, and survived, didn't we? I can't remember. Did we lost one-nil at home last season, didn't we, on the wet pitch? Yeah, and we got battered away as well when um, Alioski had a disaster mm. and we couldn't find... We kept trying to cross to Bamford, but he was surrounded by three massive centre-halves. Brighton are such a weird team. I mean, Welbeck's header at the end sums it up that if they had a really good striker, Brighton would have a really good team. You've been saying it for a while, haven't you? And, yeah. and it's really, really obvious. I mean, Welbeck did really well on the goal that he took when he finished it. If, you know, fair play for turning Llorente uh, inside out like that. I mean, we can maybe have a conversation about Llorente another time, but even still, well taken. But if somebody puts that header away... yeah. Neil, Neil Mope had a little strop off down the tunnel, didn't he, as well? Apparently, when uh, when they'd made the last sub and he wasn't brought on, apparently went straight down the tunnel and he did come back. But yeah, had a, had a little cry with, to himself in there. Their defence is one, two, three, four, five, sixth best. And uh, what's their expected goals? That's a clue, isn't it? Tenth. So they're about right. I always get the impression that they they just need a striker. Speaking of strikers... Glad they don't have one. Speaking of strikers or not strikers, Rodrigo obviously got a bit of attention um, for his... Mm. Performance, I'm, I'll, I'll do air quotes, performance. Kevin describes life as being pain, suffering and Rodrigo. <laughs> he did improve in the second half. I'll give him that. Equally, it was the lowest of low bars to be better than the first half, which involved him spending far too long on the ball and losing it. And on one occasion, letting them score from it. Actually, mm. I didn't realise when that move broke down, the possibility of us scoring was so high as well. Jack Harrison was just waiting there. It was a goal. If he just passed it earlier... And that seemed to be his problem. He seemed to just think he's got all the time in the world on the ball. He's and very he's... ponderous, isn't he? Yeah, so frustrating. And, and, you, and I don't know if we can blame it on tactics because he's been like this under both Bielsa and Marsh, hasn't he? He started well under Marsh, but then he just seems to have reverted to type. It's essentially what Tyler Roberts used to be criticised for, was that he'd get in good positions, he'd do something quite nice, but then when you're just begging him, just release it now, release it, he'd take yeah. another touch and another touch. Credit to Roberts, though. He used to retain possession, even if mm. he slowed the play down completely and wasted a chance. At least we kept the ball, whereas Rodrigo seems prone to giving it away. And also, Roberts is 22, whereas the thing with Rodrigo is he's played, he's got like 20-odd caps of Spain, been in two Europa League finals, played Champions League football with Valencia, who's been in La Liga for years. You should just know what to do. And because I can handle, if you play a pass and it gets intercepted or you over, you overhit it or something goes wrong, Fair enough, you did it and it was a mistake. But to not be able to just think Harrison pass when you're a 31-year-old Spanish international, it's kind of those things should be just automatic from his uh, from his abilities and his temperament. And you can say, you know, obviously it was pretty ugly the way people were shouting at him from the stand from uh, after he then just kicked another pass straight out of play. Mm, 100 um, grand a week though, Moscow. Well, that's... You're not, you know. That's what I mean. Is he shouldn't have a problem handling that kind of pressure, given the pressure he's handled previously in his career. Elland Road is not that difficult a place to play football. It might be when you're 22 and just your first few seasons in the game. But if you can't bring a Europa League sort of mindset and a Champions League mindset to to this, then I don't know what we. That's where I wonder what we paid the money for. And yet. The enigmatic part of this is look at the pass through to Rafinha that he nearly slid in as well. Uh, an absolutely brilliant pass. The early ball, you're always willing him to play. And he played it. He absolutely put it on a dime for him. And then obviously it didn't go in, but just do that more often. Stop being a ponderous slow cart horse. Would you just cut your losses on him this summer? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Depends what we do instead. <laughs> yeah, this is true. It depends. What we, I mean, the other thing is, will there be any takers for him? I, yeah, doubt, but... I doubt we'd be able to get more, We certainly won't be able to recoup our money on him. It might be that we. We'd be lucky to get 10 for him, probably, because he's on big money as well. So someone's going to have to take on his contract, which is still in two years to run, I think. So There's still a... some mugs in Spain when I do it. Yeah, I mean, Barcelona seem to have money again, and they, as soon as they have it, they spend it like it's never going to run out, don't they? Yeah. So they can probably have him. Yeah, Zach in Australia is uh, describing his experience of the game as uh, being in bed, in, in bed at midnight, trying to muffle his swearing and groaning at our £30 million one-legged man in an arse-kicking contest. I, I don't still know where he fits. No one seems to want to use him as a striker and when we've seen him there this season it hasn't been great. And if we are playing this marsh ball kick and rush high speed transition stuff I just don't necessarily think he fits in that either. I, can't, I just can't see it. Doesn't make sense to me. And then I guess this goes back to recruitment 
Um, so let's focus on Victor Orta and the board. Fat Frank, heart attack, back asking if Orta should be out no matter what next year with all his failed signings, Costa, Furpo, Rodrigo, Augustin and Marsh, which feels like you've probably gone a bit early on that. Mm. Well, I suppose because if we stay up, you'd say it was a success, but it's not been, um, it's not been good. Yeah, it? No, I'm starting to increasingly be of the opinion that he might be a problem, Victor Orta, and he seems addicted to vanity signings rather than an obvious one. That might be unfair. I don't know. You can count, obviously, Rafinha as an overwhelming, tremendous success. He brought us Bielsa as well, but look at the way that Bielsa's gone since, and if you argue that this is a, it's a systematic failure this season, that the whole thing fell apart because they couldn't get Bielsa the players that he wanted or needed, or whether Bielsa himself turned them down, still went wrong, didn't it? Costa is a failed signing. He's coming back next year anyway. Mm. Firing us to promotion again. Who knows? Yeah, I, I think we'll, we'll probably do a, a longer episode on this in the summer at some point but yeah I must admit I feel like it's it's kind of closing in on him a bit now the weight of bad signings plus potentially another duff managerial appointment because even if we do stay up I don't think there's a huge amount of love for Marsh at this stage no I mean do you agree Moscow that that those chants that went up 10 minutes from time was a a reminder that they're not going to get off the hook for this even if we stay up yeah I mean if you compare it to other clubs around us like Everton were, I mean, Everton fans were threatening to kill Rafa Benitez before he'd even taken over. So if you, or, or at least someone who, someone in the vicinity, someone, someone in the house that, that, that didn't belong to him, but. just a, an old man on the Wirral. And from that, you know, if you take that at one extreme, then our board have never had anything close to that. Everton as well, they, they were doing walkouts in November on the 27th minute of a game because it's 27 years since they'd won a trophy, you know, so. The level of uh, which other clubs have flicked the switch into revolt against their owners seems to be quite a lot lower than Leeds fans. Our tolerance for this season, especially when there was the, uh, I think Johnny Cooper came up with the stat that this is the fewest number of home games we've ever won in our history. Four. And there's barely been a whisper against the board. There was the Aston Villa game, but the Aston Villa game was just awful from start to finish. And there was the guy yelling at Victor Orta, um, but then Victor Orta yelled back. So that's a score draw. So it's not really anything. That's the only time this season that there's been any kind of singing that's contrary to the board. So they've really, whether you blame them, blame somebody else, blame whoever, they are the people who run the place and ultimately that's who you sing about. There was some kind of people getting to the pedantry of sack the board and it's like, well, who from the board do you mean? It's like, Nobody in the ground at that time is thinking, well, actually, yes, sir, specifically I'm talking this this shareholder and that shareholder. Sack the board is just a chant of general frustration. Mm. And Marcelo Bielsa's name was being sung, not because everybody wants to be mean to Jesse Marsh, just an example of it's a protest name. He's quite easily, he's our Che Guevara. We'll all have posters on the wall of him 30 years from now, or at least I will. So they're just expressions of dissatisfaction, which I think the board have been very fortunate not to hear more of all season so 10 minutes from the end is remarkable restraint mm-hmm. I think there's been a which they maybe don't feel because of the way it's now going but there's been a huge amount of goodwill I think towards the board I think people have accepted they were, that they were massively in credit at the start of this I was season which say, I think is what's fueled that tolerance I think the past few years has, has meant people have gone well obviously compared to what we have been putting up with for the previous 20 years this is great and you do, as you know, we, we talked last season, uh, I guess a bit, probably a bit more fairly because we were doing well and it was, um, it was Auto not... was a genius a year ago, wasn't <laughs> it? It was not such a pressing issue. But you, do, you don't look around the Premier League and see many people happy with their owners, whether it's scum who've had millions poured into them or, you know, Chelsea are now arguing about which billionaires they don't want to take them over. Arsenal hate their owners, always have done. Yeah. You know, there's, there's unhappiness absolutely everywhere. Norwich fans hate the fact they come up every year and, and never invest and never actually try to stay in the Premier League. So it, there's a level, I guess, at which last year we were kind of going, well, I suppose what's, what would be better than this? You know, this is this is all fine. And ultimately, we were winning games and it was good football and everyone was loving it. So truthfully, no one really cares what's going on in the boardroom. Yeah. As Newcastle fans will will show you, when, when you're winning games, people kind of go, yeah, that's... That's fine too. I think the, the part of the reason it is it's turned this year is because the problems actually have been relatively small. It's not like there's, we're trying to overcome enormous issues. It's just that we've not had enough central midfielders or strikers. Mm. And that could have been solved at, in the summer, last January, 
January before. You know, there, there are many, many points they've had to fix this. And I think the failure to do it has meant that it's given people quite a focused thing to be angry about. And the messaging that's gone along with it, obviously you've got to kind of back your horse, haven't you? In the sense that, you know, we saw Angus Kinnear in, as I said, January, backing the method of bringing through youth. But then in February, sacking Bielsa for losing faith in, in the model that he'd backed a month before that. And I don't know, it needs contrition, doesn't it? Does the end of this this season where there's a mere culpa where they say, we got it wrong. You know, whether that some of that does fall on Bielsa's shoulders or not, he paid for it with his job, as we've said before. And the responsibility, as you just said, Moscow, ultimately rests with the ownership and the boardroom and they need to acknowledge that. And they can't pretend that even if we stay up, that nothing has been done wrong, because it has. Not everyone thought Furpo was bad, anyway. Tom <laughs> said that not enough Furpo appreciation, best game for us so far. And I'm fully convinced he will come good now. It's sad. There's no sarcasm font, is there? That's the problem. I don't know. He was a good second half. Yeah, he was. Going he was. forward. And it suggested as well that there was something more to do in the first half than just him. Because when, I think we mentioned it a bit on the match board, that watching him and Liam Cooper trying to deal with what was going on on that flank, they were just pointing at each other, trying to hand off players to another defender to mark them who just did not exist. And um, there was something up there. And it didn't happen in the second half. Like So something at halftime must have been, we fix that and it's fixed. And then second half, Furpo is decent going forward. And he's always like the first um, Marsh game at Leicester when he popped up in the penalty area and you think, oh, we're, we're finally seeing a bit of a, a bit of furping going on. <laughs> and um, I think the Chelsea game, he put in one absolutely beautiful cross. So there's stuff in there that, I don't know whether it's kind of just the first season difficulties of coping with the Premier League and always misjudging the leap that people have to make, whether it's Thomas Christensen, whether it's Jesse Marsh, whether it's Junior Furpo, of like bringing them into a level that is higher than what they've been at before, or at least different in the way that the Premier League is that kind of exceptional best league in the world. And maybe, you know, I was you try to think the best of people. And like Rodrigo, his second season will be exceptional. But, um, but some, yeah, he did someone. get better. Katie's been mentioning uh, Shaq, saying that she disagrees with you, Moscow, uh, that Shaq was good when he came on. Looked out of his depth, gave the ball away loads and not closing his man down. I didn't think he was great, I have to say. Mm, but, you he's, know, he's, he's his first appearance on a football pitch in yeah, yeah. months, isn't it? You're coming in cold, aren't you? That's the thing when you come off the bench like that, trying to get up to the speed of the game and tactics you've not played with before. And I looked at him a bit and he cut a figure of sort of mild frustration in that he didn't often have an out ball. You were looking for, well, you know, make an angle for him. Where's the midfielder that he can pass it off to? And he wasn't there, so he ended up turning back. Goes back to the keeper or to Urente or whatever it might be. And yeah, it just feels like whatever the tactics might be, which I still don't think we've fully seen them yet, he wasn't meshed in with it, I don't think, to the best of his ability. I mean, Katie does say she'd have preferred Cresswell, which having seen his celebrations, the <laughs> neck on the lad, I think he's, uh, get him in. Yeah, get him straight in. I don't know. I don't know how badly injured Cock is, but I guess there may be some reshuffling there as well. I don't know if. Did we trust Yorente to play right back? I mean, what I liked about Shackleton was that he was running around a lot and he seemed willing to get on the ball. I could see him. He was with Yorente and kind of frustrated if he wasn't getting the ball off him. It was like trying to make things happen. But okay, it's probably right that it's actual the things he did on the ball and stuff were not exceptional. But I would, um, I wouldn't mind if he plays against Brentford. He just doesn't need to do any of that Norwich stuff that he did that time and just tidying up the mentions yeah Liam Cooper's massive head for blocking Joffy's goalbound shot mentioned by quick draw McGraw uh, Ender enjoyed Click uh, Click's performance thought it was one of the better performances of the season and was unlucky not to score and as a final parting shot I guess at Ellen Road Boney M says I'll miss Rafinha's death stare can someone check on that linesman I'm fairly sure he threatened to kill him probably went home in a series of carrier bags I imagine also uh, Philip mentioning Calvin's moment on the pitch with his mum suggesting that that means it's his last game for us, which uh, it could be, I suppose. I don't know. If we go down, he's he's got to leave, hasn't he? I'd probably I'd probably tell him to leave if he went down. But like you don't you don't need this, Calvin. You do, you've done you've done all you can. You stayed with us once in the championship when you probably didn't need to. Yeah, if he goes down, definitely he'll be off. So I was I was thinking about all the uh, stuff on the pitch at the end with him in, in particular being kind of insurance of like if things go wrong next week and I don't play another game here. I'm going to uh, make the most of being here. But then I remembered that the last time we had a kind of a sunshine family on the pitch, lap of appreciation, relaxed. I mean, it's not relaxed because of the league table, but the 
uh, strikes equaliser had helped, sort of last home game was Paul Heckingbottom's last game because after that we had the playoffs, which was like a tornado and it was a night match and you just had Pontus Janssen crying and everybody crying. Phillips left the pitch in tears that night. Then we won the league, but nobody was there apart from the bus. So anything that happened was confined to the exec boxes in the East End. And then last season, the last game last season, there was only 10,000 people in the ground for the West Brom game and there was still all the COVID protocols meant you couldn't just have families milling around everywhere. Everybody's in, you know, red zone dressing rooms and everything's closed off. So it was, rather than thinking of it as the last chance for Calvin and his family to enjoy Elland Road in a kind of a relaxed way, it's actually the first chance they've had for four years. So what some of the kids who were kind of running on, kicking a ball around, I don't know how old they were, but they're either not born or babies the last time Calvin was able to just get say to his mum, let's have a walk around the pitch because there's not another, I mean, there is another game and I hope I haven't forgotten that, but um, I think it, that occurred to me as perhaps a, a contributing factor to the way that people were, um, the players were bringing their families on at yeah. the end because they've just not had that chance because it's been such a weird few years. It's it's easy to load meaning onto things, isn't it? Um, but we, yeah. well, in another what else are you going to do? Last, I was watching the, the end of the um, Newcastle Arsenal game last night while there were Carragher and Neville were chopping on you could see they had the blurry shot of St James's Park in the background and there was loads of people on the pitch just kind of they looked like they were having like a kids penalty shootout or something or um, something I, I know what you're thinking and uh, you, you're thinking public flogging yes. pipelines weren't you yeah 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 but then I thought this maybe the they were dismembering a journalist so all that kind of stuff might have been going on but um, it's just that kind of end of term stuff that you yeah you get your mum down and just have a look so but yeah, I mean, Sorry, did your mum used to come in at the end of term? <laughs> just picturing you walking around the classroom <laughs> as, um, a, as a treat. Did you do penalties? Did she go and go or did she take them? I'm trying to think. There'd, there'd be a bit of bit more interaction with the teachers before the summer holidays, wouldn't there? You get to play your games, don't you? Yeah, exactly. It's yeah. that kind of atmosphere and everybody's just a lot more chilled out, which is why we'll go to Brentford and Lutz because they've <laughs> given up already. But no, I think it, there's... Uh, if we do get relegated, then yeah, I'll, I'll drive into Manchester City myself because he wouldn't want to play with Kevin De Bruyne in Erling Haaland next season. It sounds like an absolute chuckle, but he can uh, otherwise stay here and have horrible times. <laughs> hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Here in part two, then, it's all about the opposition fans. What have they had to say about Leeds United? Michael, what have you got for us this week? Not a lot. No. They don't do much, don't Brian, nope. it turns out. I was desperately trying to find stuff. There, there seems to be several podcasts, only one of which had actually bother to record anything since the Leeds game. In trying to find stuff, I had to track down a Reddit post, which was a year ago when someone was saying, who should I look at for Brighton stuff on YouTube? Yeah. 
someone replied, there is quite literally zero Brighton content creators of note. You hate content, don't you? Uh, Which Moscow, is great. And con- the idea of content creators. There was that guy who we've heard from him. Was he at the Watford game? In the away end and filled the ticket the, tout one, yeah, but he'd been banned from Brighton for ticket touting. <laughs> he he got he reached a certain level um, of coverage, but yeah, unless they'll let him back in, there's uh, there's now. Well, the great lads at, at BHA together, mm-hmm. they were the only ones I could find, and and they want tickets out because they seem like they seem really nice, great bunch of lads, <laughs> just 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 very polite boys. Yeah, okay. Um, what have they had to say then? This, I think, especially in that first half, there were I think. I, th- I really do think there are a few chances there where we probably could have gone in three 0 up, and it wouldn't have looked uh, insulting to the scoreline. Um, nice. Second half, I think, is a different story altogether. And I think when you come off of that second half, where we've basically just sat back almost the entire half and been battered, um, I think at the same time, then you you can definitely sway that way of like, well, Leeds did enough in that second half to score two, which they arguably did. Battered. That's interesting. Graham Potter was. Um... Really reasonable in the post match as well, wasn't he? With his uh, with his manicured beard, he looked like he was like I don't know, like some sort of French expressionist. Um, maybe somebody who carved sculptures. I think he looked like a sculptor. That's, that's the, one. the one. That's the yeah. one. That's what you call him, isn't it? The um, the the, uh, the careers advisor never told me what that word was. You see, he was pretty. I was asking uh, about it. what's that. What's that job called? Were you? He was all right about us in the second half, but he uh, somebody tried to tell him that we'd we'd started better than Brighton and had some chances. He's like. I don't know which chances you're talking about. And the journalist tried to say, I don't know, Leeds Leeds started really well. And he just said, I didn't see the game like that at all. Next question. So I thought we did start really well by our recent standards. Mm. Probably not in in the grand scheme of things, because they did they did have that thing where they just constantly passed into our box on the left-hand side, uh, down our left-hand side, and nearly scored goals from it. So that bit wasn't going great. But it's interesting they said that we battered them second half, because... I thought we were definitely better and we had chances, but I wouldn't have called that a battering. I, I mean, think we've Brighton seen the Bielsa onslaught and it wasn't... I mean, again, this is, when your frame of reference is three years of Bielsa, you know what an onslaught looks like, don't you? That relentless wave of pressure after pressure after pressure. So maybe this was a battering, but we're just not used to that type of battering. Brighton are normally quite a, a controlled team, aren't they, I suppose? So I guess mm. maybe they're used to there being a, a sort of a less of a random element than they seem to be in this. I mean, they absolutely dicked Man United the other week, let's not forget. So, Man United have given up. But yeah, but maybe we're better than we give ourselves credit for. The three of us could have a good go at uh, at Scum. We created, so XG is, you know, it can help us decide this. We created two expected goals against Brighton. Scum managed 0.8, Wolves 0.6, Southampton 0.9, City 1. Um, so we're better than Man City. Brighton Brighton beat them 3-0. Have I imagined this? <laughs> Where did Brighton beat Man City 3-0? Am I looking at the right page? I guess I am. Strange things have happened. I don't remember it, I have to say. <laughs> the last team to get more than two XG against uh, the Seagulls were Tottenham, 2.4. So, And that's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, uh, seven games between those two. So we're the, we're the first team to give them a, a good doing in quite a while. And there were chant like um, Joffy's shot that Sanchez, who was a really good goalkeeper, didn't even dive for, was, you know, really close. Um, I'm surprised that Dope didn't move. And I wish he hadn't moved for Rafinha's free kick. Has Rafinha scored a free, scored a free kick this year? He's they come, all hit the bar. He's come very, very close, hasn't he? Yeah, it's really annoying. And then Click's shot as well. Like, it's a while since um, Click's had such a good effort, but at the end of the first half, that was a really good save. And then there was, um, yeah, Rafinha on Rodrigo's pass that went just wide. Sanchez stopping Click's other shot on target after Harrison had had a shot that was blocked. So Were we great? We weren't great, but in terms, like, we managed to, I mean, this is, it's maybe, if we're talking about Marshball a little bit and what he wants. Well, we've been unfair to him, Moscow. It's the, um, it's not the, the, the flowing kind of press, uh, all-out pressure and battering of what Bills would do, but you create these chances by seizing on mistakes and rushing in and, you know, making things happen that way. So, and that's not for a second half as well, considering, you know, I've not got it divided, but we, we really didn't now. I suppose actually, no, a lot of the um, XG, when I looked at the, the shot map, it's Joffy hitting Cooper in the face is a big part of it. Does Cooper get XG for that, for hitting him in the face? Well, I'm I'm being serious because it's just about touches on the pitch, isn't it? Expected gob. Could that be? Could that be that he should have the XG model? Does that think he should have just nodded it in from there? 
I've, I no, I've it, no idea it works. It depends which XG model you're using. And I think that if your XG model counts Liam Cooper's contribution, <laughs> there is a chance you may need to close XL. just slipped into a coma when you started talking about that then. Well, anyway, poor old Cooper's face. It, it, yeah, get the, change your models to account for that. Yeah, I've just looked at SofaScore.com and they do the, the momentum graph, the attacking momentum graph. And it appears we did have some good spells of pressure, particularly early in the second half. Then they got us on the back foot again. Then we went into the ascendancy for like the middle part of that half. I'm getting into really weird fractions now. And then a very late spell, which seemed to be quite rewarding for us. Probably about about 50-50 that second half. I don't know, maybe, is, it, is it, as uh, Jesse Marsh says, the pressure of the moment that means that we're, we're perhaps underestimating the balance of what these games are like and we're absolutely filled with existential dread whenever Leeds concede goals or the game goes against us a little bit? Versus no, think, what would be like if we were in mid-table, for example. I think it's that we had three games of absolute garbage before this. So Fair I expect we, like, everything's just was in the bin at kickoff. Um, and so we're looking at the improvements in the second half. So there is probably uh, an aspect of... Um, this is why the, the first person on propaganda was saying that we were a bit negative at the end of the game. And it's that feeling of like, well, we're still not very good. But yeah, there is a, a, a big improvement in that second half. And there was a big improvement straight away. The fact that... Joffy was hitting Liam Cooper in the face in their penalty area was probably the most attacking thing we'd done for like three hours of football. So we did start better and ended much better. What else did BHA together have to say, Michael? They thought we deserved the draw. Ah, fools! They're obviously fighting for their survival and, and what they're trying to do. And they, they it turned into a really scrappy game, which doesn't suit us at all. Um, we, like... You guys have been saying we like to be in control. We like to be able to dictate and, and be proactive um, for the last 65 minutes of the game, um, for the majority of the game. There's this huge open play of to and fro's and going from one end to the other, one end to the other. Um, it doesn't suit us. I mean, our defense is incredible, you know, and, and we know that. Um, it, obviously, Sanchez was counted on a few times today to make those make those saves when needed, and he, he did really well. Um but yeah, you, you can't take any way, like anything away from from Leeds in that respect. You know, there, there will there will be people that didn't watch this game and saying, oh, you know, Leeds are lucky to to get a draw and stuff just because they scored in the ninety first minute. But but that second half was so open and the amount of defending and, and saves we had to do because we invited that pressure and we allowed it to become a scruffy game um, means that a, a draw is about right for me. That does put a slightly different slant on it in my eyes. It's interesting. Um, Are we that reasonable when we concede a late goal? They're like, well, yeah, I suppose in the balance. But it, stri- it strikes me that the issue of like control, they're normally very controlled and measured at Brighton by the sounds of it. Like, you know, what's that job again? Sculpt, what was it? Sculpt, sculptor? Uh, yes. Good. Graham Potter likes to be the sculptor chipping away at his little block of marble. Are you mould potting? Potter, if you're a potter. Is that. Anyway, yeah, he's not a sculptor. He's a but just, but sand, is, different do, thing. Do you sand it down? Presumably, you, you sculpt when you're doing it. When you're chipping yeah, away a block of marble, you put it put it on a wheel and get your hands wet, and then a ghost turns up. Right, okay. And the sanding it down, carrying on, pouring a bit of water on it. Do the next that bit. Famous, that's a reference to the famous film. Yeah, Potter. Yes, but we turned it into a scrap. We we made it a mud bath. Rash, rash, a, rash. A marble mud. I know we're confusing two different career paths here, but his his sculpting slash potting. Um, turned into yeah it was a bit of a mud wrestle wasn't it which not a bad thing always not necessarily no I wouldn't want that with Mar- with Marsh well not Marsh or um, Potter to be perfectly honest both of them together no no okay you do get a lot of mud in a marsh <laughs> he's right he's right he's right swampy they're giving some credit to Marsh anyway okay and, and let's give a little bit of credit to the way Ted Lasso set up that team uh, because Leeds were very heavy on the press, especially in the second half. And and that was, when we when we say this was the difference, Leeds wanted it more like, get rid of the cliches. They just worked very hard and pressed constantly against us, cut all the passing lanes out for a good 20 to 30 minutes in that second half, which is why you're seeing this terrible pass accuracy. The first half was lightning. It was very quick, just quick counter-attacking. You're not trying to play possession football. The second half, we couldn't play possession football. That's what we wanted to do. That's why Lalana came on. We just weren't allowed to. So a bit of credit to Leeds for that. This is what the Premier League mid-table does. It turns you into reasonable idiots, doesn't it? I hate the fact that they've been so reasonable about it. Quite like the way he said Lalana. Got a good name. Excellent. Uh, it goes well with Fafana. Mm. Yeah, uh, it's interesting that they are, they are kind of giving 
marsh credit for it when <laughs> we were not we were like yeah the players have probably just decided to do their own thing in that half and that's why we uh, we got back into it but I maybe, suppose Marsh does, Marsh's plan does involve pressing maybe that's, we just need to all get to know each other better maybe so um, you can take us to McDonald's on a Sunday morning <laughs> and we'll all have a nice chat and a happy meal is that it then in terms of what Brighton have got to offer yeah, this week just reasonable. People. It is reasonable. We're not here for reason, are we? We're here I preferred for it when I preferred it when we scored a last minute goal against Wolves, and they wanted to see FIFA taken down and the whole game rewritten as a as a result of it. But yeah, this is just like yeah. I mean, take take this as your Amu's, quite well. This is your Amu's boost before we do Brentford next week, <laughs> isn't it? That's going to be fun, one way or another. Or it won't be. Is the other thing. It might be absolutely horrible. Yeah, but you know we can. Um, but we'll tailor our you can You can rely on us to be unreasonable. That's the nice thing there. <laughs> right, let's go into the wider world of propaganda then and uh, some fun and games. Uh, AFTV, Arsenal Fan TV, obviously they have uh, essentially collapsed this season. Lost like five games recently, haven't they? beat us, obviously. They beat us, after which they didn't talk about us because they were all just busy talking about top four. It's like, oh, it's great that we're going to be going to yeah. be in the Champions League. You know, it's this great young team Arteta's put together. It was all this boring stuff that I didn't even bother including because... Yeah. I'm sure Benjamin White will love Azerbaijan on a Thursday night. Because um, cause whatever anyway. But this week, they've lost to Spurs and Newcastle. Excellent. So um, where are we going in then, first of all? This is Ty, first of all. He's the he's kind of the chief idiot on it, I, I think. He's the one with the strangest opinions. And he starts every question they ask him. He, he, thanks, like, he started doing it during COVID, thanking nurses and doctors and stuff. And he's still doing it now, but he's, he gets down to kind of postmen and bus drivers and stuff by the end of it. And you're right. thinking... This isn't really the question you were asked, but he was annoyed by Spurs fans, which was great. Really, really dis- disappointed, dis- disappointed, and even, and, e- and even, we've been actually, we've actually had to stop filming because we had moronic Tottenham fans coming up and talking rubbish. And I think it's absolutely ridiculous. If you've won, be happy, but don't start coming mm. and start swearing and saying rubbish. So they're an absolute disgrace, and it absolutely disgusts me. Look, I love this pearl clutching that's crept into <laughs> Premier League football. <laughs> People you, swearing. Can you imagine what Arsenal fans TV would be like if outside the stadium morons came up and started talking rubbish? <laughs> it, was the, it was the joke, exactly. Yeah. The Spurs fans muscling in on, on their territory. <laughs> yeah, this is, this is our act. Um, and then we've got uh, blaming referees. Yes, so I've listened to this first. It's a fairly long clip, but this is because, I mean, there were was, there was some slightly dubious decisions in the Arsenal-Spurs game. They weren't happy with all of them. Whatever, but his um, the way he goes on about referees is, okay. is brilliant. Let's hear the evidence. There is a gender against us. Referees, some referees, some linesmen and some women, some lineswomen have got agendas against us. Why, Ty? Why? Why Why would they have an agenda? Like, well, why? Well, it's a good question. It's a good question, um, Cecil. You'll have to ask them. Because if I remember quite rightly, a couple of months ago, Frank Lampard, who's Ever- Everton manager, got an apology from the referee. Where's our apology? Where, 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 where is our apology? Where is our apology for Eduardo getting his leg broken by Martin Taylor? Where is our apology for Ryan Shawcross breaking Aaron's leg? Where's our apology for Dan Smith breaking Vass's leg? Where is our apology? Where's our apology when, when, when we got cheated at Old Trafford and the Neville brothers kicked up, kicked Jose in the air? Where's our apology when before the game, Mike Riley had a record of giving nine, in nine penalties for Manchester United, not giving a foul when Rio took out Freddie when he was the last man. Where's our apology when Rude Van cheat himself, stamped on Ashley's knee in front of the linesman and the linesman gave a, um, a throw into Manchester United? It, ha- it happens too much. And Mikel's come out and said now that if he said what he wants to say, he would get suspended. So it shows you he's absolutely going mad. And I, I just don't know. I just don't. Once again, we have... I have to be very careful what I say because I don't want to call anybody a cheat. But we have to ask the question, why is this happening to us all the time? I've got so many examples, so many examples. I've just mentioned three players that had their legs broken and are no longer playing except for Aaron. So they've got an agenda, asks for the evidence. You'll have to ask them. And he can't say anything because he didn't want to call anyone a cheat. You can do, mate. You're not. You're not a manager. Just asking questions. You're not going to get an FA charge against it. <laughs> <laughs> to go back to the three, get tie hold up in front of the panel. <laughs> Why did you say this on YouTube? Oh, he brought the whole game into disrepute. But the, the, he's just he's asking questions like Matt Letizia well, does. The, the, to go back to the the incidents he's complaining about here, yeah. the ones against Man United, he mentioned the Neville brothers and Rude Van Nistelrooy. 
Phil Neville left Man United in 2005, Van Nistelrooy in 2006. So that's quite, that's quite a long time ago. And then the three players um, he talks about having legs broken, Abu Dhabi's was the, it was 2006. Fair enough, Dan Smith playing for Sunderland did only get a yellow card that day. It was a bad tackle. These days, probably get a red for it. But the Aaron Ramsey and Eduardo ones, the players were sent off for who did that. So they did get, the players did get punished. So if it was a conspiracy of referees, surely they would have not sent those players off. I don't know what more he wanted the referees to do in that situation other than just send the players off. He said what he wanted. He wants apologies. So this is Frank Lampard's fault because Frank <laughs> Lampard this season has started this new thing of um, if you whinge enough, then the referees association will phone you up and say, Saz. And that apparently is the thing now that everybody has. He was at it again. I was going to say, he's been at it again ahead of the Thursday games, the, hasn't he? The weekend, the, the Brentford defeat because they lost to Brentford. It's worth uh, reiterating, just underlining that a win would have made Everton safe and they lost and they had two players sent off and they lost, even though a win would have made them safe, but they lost. Both which were correctly sent off, we should add. And it all looked fine to me. Um, I mean, he even said in the post-match, didn't he, did Lampard, that he got the wrong side of him, did Branthway. He wanted a penalty for Richarlison, didn't he, ahead of that? And because Richarlison, you know, is he going to have to go down to try and win a free kick, Richarlison? Yeah. I don't know if anyone. Well, I don't might, know if he's aware Michael, of it. He may have to start asking for him <laughs> if, yes. he, if he don't get some soon. I think Richarlison has earned enough free kicks over the years that he should be allowed to be kicked all over the place in the remaining games of this season, and they get nothing for it. Anyway, we're going off topic again. Um, AFTV then after Newcastle this time, which I presume they're not very happy with this. This is Lee, who's the the one who I always think he's a Millwall fan, but he, he appears to be on Arsenal TV. But. I, I think this is at 1-0 down and Odegaard has a chance to shoot and it doesn't. God, it's it! Darren Odegaard shoots! What is he doing? I've had enough of him not shooting. Why are you not shooting, you ca- <laughs> <laughs> That's very EastEnders, that, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. Cut off there. Doesn't say what you were thinking, though. What does he say? Have a listen. Why are you not shooting, you captain? <laughs> Great bit of play by Martin Ellie, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I hope that Paul survives the edit. <laughs> just that he just... That was good, though, if yeah. it is. Yeah. <laughs> your uh, captain. I don't know if you... Is your captain meant to shoot more than other people? Or? Uh, and he's, was he using that, oh, you are captain, rather than you captain? I thought it might be a, an insult. Oh, possibly. I'm lost. It might yeah. be... That yeah. famous put-down. Yeah, you captain. Well, it's like people call you chief. That's sort yeah. of a bit right, insulting, isn't right, it? All right, skipper. All right, sport. That kind of thing. Mm. Right, come on then, champ. What we got, what we got now? All right, next we've got Troops, who was someone who was kicked off Arsenal fan TV for being too much of a dickhead, as far, <laughs> as, far as I can gather. Again, low bar to clear. He's yeah. the one that was the other week. He was in. Someone was interviewing him, and he was saying he needed more credit from the club or something because Arsenal d- wouldn't exist without him yeah. or something. Some wild. Delusional. He's bringing. He's bringing yeah. Arsenal to the to the world. And Didn't we uh, deal with him. He'd moved to New York, and but he was sitting on a sofa in like an abandoned. Yeah, he's, he's he's still there. And he's, you can hear on this, he's like kicking shit about and you just feel sorry for the other people there because other people are just like tidying up the stuff that he's booting around. <laughs> people are like, it's my bag, mate. Just like an angry toddler. A drink over. <laughs> <laughs> While well, he does this performative nonsense. Fucking went on. 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 Fucking our fucking great club. Clowns. You fucking clowns. You should fucking walk home from Newcastle. You should walk back to London. You should fucking walk back. Every fucking Guna should get refunded for their fucking ticket to that. Every fucking Guna that travelled to Newcastle should get fucking refunded. You fucking cowards. You fucking don't care. You don't care. You don't like Henri. You don't like Vieira. You don't care. You don't get it. You don't get it. You don't get it. You never will. You ain't got the fucking minerals. Cowards. Fucking cowards. You'll never get away me to play for this club. You'll never get it. I'm not a bit uncomfortable, actually. <laughs> it's not fun, is it? It no. looks uncomfortable. Other people in the room are kind of just sat like, mm, Dad's had a drink. <laughs> uh, what was his starting complaint there? Was somebody was played on side? I, I don't know. I don't think it matters. Because really. you could hear it kind of beginning from quite a low rumble. I don't know if he was off mic at the start where you just hear, he's like, cowards, they're offside. They're cowards, they're offside. 
And then, and then just, he did that thing of repeating things to, to emphasize the point. You hear him, uh, hear him coming. It's like, oh God, how long does he go on for? Do you just have to sit there and just listen to him <laughs> shout for? I can see why he perhaps didn't retain his position at AFTV. Mm, I mean, there were other clips of from the Spurs game of of them all just talking at once again, which we heard last week. So. Can, we, can we hear from City Extra? Because it's, it's much the same. City Extra are, are, are good fun at the minute. I mean, I've been enjoying them and their sort of street mank speak. Yeah, they went two down at West Ham and looked like they may be in the process of losing the league title as well as the the Champions League. And this is just their their way of talking. I find it. I find myself. <laughs> I find myself speaking to myself in my own head using some of their <laughs> phrases sometimes. Well, you, you know, it was you Moscow who initially coined the Consuelo thing. So when I'm playing FIFA with my lad as well, it was them. Yeah. But um, I've ended up, that's become a meme between the two of us now that we both got Consuelo. So I've got a 10-year-old speaking in this faux mank accent that you created that they started off with. You uh, you need to train him to be like his little the kid brother on this. So he's just agreeing with you all the time. Going, yeah, yeah, good point. Like, yeah, yeah. I was about to say that. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah come oh, no, he's on side. No. He's on side. It's Bowen. Oh, no, 2-0. It's 2-0. Oh, my God. It went straight through Edison. Mate, is Edison just a fucking oh. ghost there or something? How has he not saved that? He was a oh P-roller. How has Edison not saved that? 2-0. We're in the mud. We're in the mud. We are legit in the mud. <laughs> They're great, aren't they? As, as described, Moscow. We're in the mud. We it's are. Great. We are legit in the mud. A P-roller. How has he not saved that? How hasn't he saved it? <laughs> Amazing. It's time for some words of wisdom, bless him, isn't it? From uh, from everyone's favourite uh, lifestyle guru, all round good guy, champ from the winners of the world. Mm. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? I've started following Jake on Instagram, haven't I? Did, so, did you, was that a regretful follow? No, I, I like it because it's you know it's all content. Yeah, it's Let's good. Go. It's good to watch a, a young man so immersed in delusion, isn't it? So he just, unbearable delusion. They're mainly not his own thoughts. In fairness, he just he's he's like a some daft person you went to school with on Facebook who just posts faux inspirational shit because they're trying to shill some like uh, pyramid scheme that they're involved in. It's <laughs> the sort of thing. That's the, that's the kind of vibe I get off off Jake. So he's been retweet, retweeting or reposting. Well, he screen grabbed a tweet that he's reposted on his Instagram story. Mm. Um, Dr. James Dinnick is the is the handle on Twitter. Yeah, I don't know what you think of this, Moscow. You have to get up early. You have to take care of your responsibilities. You have to be honest with yourself. Can you act, can you do this in the voice of that guy from the ITV training things that you've been doing recently? <laughs> Guys, you have to get up early. You have to take care of your responsibilities. You have to be honest with yourself. You have to evaluate your priorities. Nobody's going to do it for you. These are your goals and your dreams. Everything you want starts and ends with you. I mean, in the sense that I have to get my own breakfast... Yes, mm. that all seems fine. Um, evaluate your priorities. Well, like this morning, I knew I had a podcast to do. So it would have been, it was a pretty easy decision not to just like start doing a jigsaw or something. And um, <laughs> so you normally do. As far oh, as, uh, make, make, make little jigsaws. <laughs> as far as getting up early, I mean, I got here on time. So I don't know what else I needed to and, do. And this also, morning. you don't have to get up early. That's not true. Have you written another book? Well, nobody's asked me to. Well, do one. But no, well, maybe not, I don't want to. Everything you want. Do you want to write another book? I mean, right, right now, no. Okay. What do but you I want later? What do you want? Because it starts and ends with you. I want people like this to leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen, you, you're chipping away at each other now. I don't think everything. That's not, it's not. Listen, this is not the right way to go about it. Everything you want starts and ends with you. You can do anything you want, Dan. Yeah, exactly. So stay out of it. I'm going to be <laughs> mind your own business. <laughs> well, listen, I'd like to fall back on some of Jake's other words, and he's tagged at high performance in this, which presumably is him shilling his podcast. As Jake says, a candle loses nothing by lighting another candle. So I think what he's suggesting is that you fucking torch everything. Is that <laughs> what he's saying? It all down. So there you go. That's uh, that's Jake for this week. Great. Thanks, I mean, Jake. if this if this stuff helps some people, maybe it does. It's just There's it a... just it just doesn't really work if you think about it for even a second. <laughs> that's the main <laughs> subjected to any critical analysis. Yeah. Because I mean, like this stuff about you know everything. These are your goals and dreams. You can do you can do anything you want. Basically, is something that is often said in these things. And that's not true, is that? It's just simply not possible. We live in a society. Because um, popped into the LGI this last week. Won't let you have a go. I wanted to say, like, listen, let me have a go at that brain surgery. Mm. Just let me, and I'll I'll, I'll wash my hands and everything. Mm. Just have a little bit of a tinker around under the hood. No. Yeah, it's like my NBA dreams. Yeah, shattered. <laughs> I've written I've written some lovely emails to people asking for a place. They won't let me do it. Well, uh, nobody's going to do it for you, so it's good that you uh, yeah, that you took it upon yourself. Should probably, should probably buy a basketball first, shouldn't it? <laughs> as a first step. 
<laughs> Step two, get a hoop. <laughs> Bouncing it on the grass. Gotta, this is it. You've got to decide what your goal is mm. and then you break it down into steps that you take each day. So tomorrow, basketball. Day after that, you buy the hoop. The day after that, you buy the long shorts. <laughs> and the big, the, the Air Jordans. That's Day the easy that. bit. That's yeah. the easy bit, isn't it? End of the, the week. Big sneakers. By the way, I do have a hoop for you, and it's called Jake Humphrey. Hey, there we go. That wraps up propaganda for this week. Always nice to end on a high. Listeners to the absolute tosh and twaddle that you pedals. Uh, thank you for joining us on this one. We've got another one next week. The tone of which remains up in the air, mm. but it'll be a fun adventure finding out how we get to that point, won't it? Yeah, and if mate. you're a TSB Plus subscriber. Propaganda Extra. You've got some unhappy Chelsea fans on there oh, to come. So that's that's worth listening to. Yep, hop over there, enjoy that, and we'll see you in a bit. The Square Ball Podcast. Hey folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 